Welcome back to the Cod Cabin, everyone. The only Massachusetts podcast where the nutritional value is better than the fruits at Haymarket. But no, seriously, go support people at Haymarket. They need they need local support as much as they can. I'm Adam Bass. Joining me as always is Luke uh, Logan Rabe, yeah, Jesse Hahn. And today, folks, we've got a very special treat. We've got two people from the actual Cod Cabin, the Massachusetts State House. We've got Representative uh, Susanna Whips and Representative Trom Wynn. I want to welcome you both. Uh, Representative Wynn is a Democrat from uh, the area of Andover, while Representative Whips, I believe, is part of the South Shore area of Massachusetts. No, no I'm wrong. Representative well, Whips is from Athol, North Athol. Massachusetts, and I am an independent. You're independent, that's right. Well, I want to welcome you both. See, this is why we have you here, so you can correct us. I want to welcome you both to the Cod Cabin. Um, the reason I actually brought both of you on instead of just two other people is because you have a very interesting tradition on Twitter. Uh, Representative Whips and Representative Wynn, you guys post food to one another. Uh, and that's the thing I really wanted to start things off talking about. Um, you know, uh, you, you post a little, cute little dinners, you post lunches. Uh, yesterday, I remember Representative Whips posting something like a cute little flatbread with uh, decorations on it. And Representative Wynn got the big uh, guns out with steak. Uh, on the grill. Uh, so I want to start that off. Um, what started this tradition of sharing food and did that help build your relationship between you two as uh, representatives? Well, I think um, in the chamber, there's a lot of times where people sit around and a lot of time passes and there's always bags of Twizzlers and gummy fish or Swedish fish and all of that kind of junk. And I think one day I had brought in some purple daikon radish and homemade hummus that- You have that daikon radish? That's amazing. It's beautiful. It's abs, and I'm I'm all for presentation. Um, and so I had brought some in, and Rep. Wynn, who is familiar with daikon radish, hadn't seen purple either. And, you know, you start talking and then COVID struck and, we didn't see each other. And so it really was, I have a degree in culinary arts. Um, I have, um, you know, I, I love food and what food does with as far as memories go. And, you know, when you travel, you remember sitting in Rome and eating cacio de pepe or, you know, being in Havana and having a pork sandwich or all of these things or even on a Sunday walking into your grandma's house and smelling that pot roast. And so when we were stuck home alone, it, it was really a, a time to reach out to people. And Trom and I just, you know, started taking pictures of our dinner. And I, I do love Vietnamese cuisine and, and different Asian cuisines. And I've been experimenting a lot. And, um, you know, Trom stepped right up and she's a show woman with her food. Well, I have to say that I do not have a culinary degree, unlike Representative Whips, but I do love to eat. And so she was right that I, uh, it actually started out with you giving us all cookies when we first got sworn in. So we knew that Representative Whips knows how to win us over. And I'm proud to say I have the full support of the Independent Caucus. <laughs> because of our love of food so would you say that she's whipped up the vote with those cookies 
she definitely did and i love that i'm definitely going to be using that going forward but uh to representative whip's point i think food really brings people together for us especially in my culture it's all about you know making people feel welcome and making sure that you are full getting them full and so um it's especially it was especially important during COVID. for that was a way for us to connect because i think food really connects people uh and i it started with us in session you know for the first time ever being remote and being in our homes and sharing what we were eating as we're waiting for the next vote to come forward and i think that um it's uh it it, it has inspired some others to try to join us as well and in fact for the last year and a half the conversation has been we need to get together we need to get together to share this food and finally we did just uh yesterday we got together um in uh representative whip's house and she was uh very kind and gracious in sharing the flatbread that she had made uh the day before that and so um i think we will continue this tradition and sharing um uh what we have been able to prepare and also it allows us to connect and discuss the the legislation that we care about uh, before i move it on oh you want to say something representative whips no no i i am in complete agreement and i think you know food does bring people together and you know i i travel a lot by myself and there's been times when i've either been on a ship or been at a restaurant and somebody says, oh, may I join you? And there's there's this like safety when you're at a table. And one of the things that Representative Wynn and I are both passionate about is food insecurity for a lot of people and childhood hunger. And there's a lot of people, prior to COVID, we had a problem in the state with regards to hunger, but with COVID, with job loss, with kids not going to school, you know, that that really hit both of us that we need to do more. And I know, you know, we're both members of the Food System Caucus at the State House, and we, we make sure that voices are heard of people who are suffering, people who need support at food banks, people who want the Healthy Incentives HIP program, which is a tremendous program. And, you know, I, food is more than just a pretty pick that we share between each other it's it's memories it's you know this bringing of people together and how can we help our constituents have these experiences and with healthy food too because i mean there are a lot of times that we cook some rich you know decadent foods but we we both know sitting home during covid We've had to eat healthier. We've had to be careful because we haven't been able to get out and have that activity. And, um, you know, making sure that people have access to healthy foods and that our farmers have people to purchase those foods. I love that because in some ways you're right. Food is probably one of the most American things you can think of, especially since you have different people come from all different walks of life bring food. And before I move it on to the other guys, I have to know, are there any other uh, members of your little cooking uh, competition? Because we could get a whole thing of like Massachusetts chopped at the state house at this point. Well, I think Mayor Paul Broder um, on either Mother's Day or Valentine's Day, put a picture of a, a meal he had he had made for his wife, which was very Aww. sweet. And, and out here at Franklin County Technical School a couple years back, uh, Representative Paul Mark and I were a team 
um, former Senate President Stan Rosenberg and former Rep Steve Kulik were a team, and we actually had a chopped competition no against way. students at Franklin County Tech School. Wow. And, uh, it was amazing because we had all local product, uh, local farms, local chicken, and we had to create these meals. And we got bested by a junior, two juniors. Oh. I, uh, we came in second place. The seniors came in third. We can figure out where Stan and Steve ended up. Well, <laughs> I would love to do that. Uh, one, I, I think it was a, a great program to show local produce and what our local farmers are doing, but also vocational schools are so vital and so important. You know, I'm, I'll put a challenge out on your podcast right now. If there's any legislator out there who thinks they can beat me and my partner rep win, we'll, we'll go against anyone. Well, you heard here first. You heard here her first hoax. This is breaking news. Representative Whips and Win have passed a challenge to the whole Massachusetts legislature tonight. Now then, I'm turning it over to Jesse before any other big news breaks. And you guys can be the judges. <laughs> oh, that would be great. But I do want to add, we've had a lot of food challenges on Twitter too. There was a, a period of time when Rep Decker, we were playing this game of like name this ingredient because they would collect very random ingredients at food pantries and some of which none of us have ever heard. And we would challenge each other, like, how would you cook this? So if you go back in Twitter, you'll see that. And for all of us, it's not just cooking in the kitchen too. We've been trying to support small businesses as well, going out there to taste different cuisines and promote promoting the different businesses in the area. And I think that's just been really fun to have this sort of, uh, to have my colleagues involved in all this and really pushing each other to be out there to whether it's to promote healthy foods or getting people out onto Main Street to support our small businesses. But Jesse, um, <laughs> Yeah, Jesse, it's all you, man. Oh, it's all me now, okay. Um, so before uh, Rep. Wen showed up, by the way, thanks for joining us, I think, I think this is the first time we've spoken and you're my representative. So I probably should have reached out a lot, a lot sooner. Um, we were talking with uh, Rep. Whoops before the show about partisanship and especially in Washington. Um, what, what do you guys think politicians in Washington are doing wrong when it comes to like, everyone's at each other's throats, but here we've got a former Republican turned independent and a Democrat having fun, sharing food, uh, being, being like a team in the legislature. And I have to say, though, the Massachusetts legislature is very different from the federal government. And I'm sure you would agree with that. It's not just, you know, sharing over foods. There have been many bills where we've had bipartisan support and we've been able to do that because we are able to have these very difficult conversations and agree to disagree at some points, but also agree to push on certain things. And I'm very proud to say that, uh, you know, some of the bills that I've been working on now, whether it's, you know, protecting animals from abusers or um, addressing hate crimes. These are all bills that have bipartisan support because we know that this is important for the Commonwealth. And so I think the, the key to all this is really trying to figure out your priorities and then working to build coalition and um, having very personal conversations to find commonalities. And so I don't know what they're doing at the federal level, but I know that's what we're doing here in the state and it has worked. 
Well, I, I think, you know, the, the Lord gives us one mouth and two ears, and we sometimes should listen twice as much as we talk, which has always been a problem of mine, because um, I am a talker. But I think listening and finding common ground in, I mean, that's, I'm a business owner too, and that is what keeps our business steady and growing is listening to people and having that communication. And I think Washington's been in a standstill for a bit because people aren't willing to compromise and you get people who just dig in and then nothing gets done. And at the end of the day, we all have to make a compromise now and then. And, you know, I, I find the collegiality of the, the mass legislature is, is very heartening for me because people honestly listen, they care and, you know, people want to work together. We have a lot of people we're responsible for. And I think it's, you know, it's beyond politics. It's people over politics. And I think Massachusetts does that well. And I think the federal government should follow our lead a little more. Um, before I hand it to Logan, I wanted to ask, what has it been like, especially as people who, you know, represent the populace on, on a micro level to experience the pandemic, be locked in your homes and not be able to, you know, reach out to people, meet people in person? I, I know that's probably something both of you love to do. Yeah, of course. And I think that that has forced us to really be creative in how we do outreach to people. And this is why you see us posting a lot on social media and really just trying to find ways to engage people. And, you know, food was one of the ways, but other things that we have done is we put out regular newsletters to keep people updated because we've been so isolated. We've done town halls. And in fact, actually talking about food, I had an event recently where I cooked in my kitchen. And actually that's a silver lining of the pandemics that, you know, we're able to be more creative. Of course, I can't fit, you know, 70, 80 people in my kitchen, but because now everyone's used to Zoom, I did an event where I showed people how to make Vietnamese fresh spring rolls. And that was how we were able to get together and uh, be able to enjoy that dish. And so um, some of the other things have been, you know, making sure that we are getting information out there to folks, especially in the start of the pandemic with the changes in unemployment, with the changes in mass health or uh, where to get access to food. All of these things are, were um, necessary resources and information that we had to find other ways to share to folks because we were not seeing them in community spaces like the library or even seeing them at farmer's markets, et cetera. And so um, I hope and I, I believe that many of these um, methods will continue on even post-pandemic because it has worked. It has allowed many of us to interact and be able to um, get, uh, get in touch with one another and get information out there without actually I'm having to gather in uh, physical space. Well, and I think social media has, has been great and being able to Zoom. I had my Christmas party over, I mean, my, my birthday party over Zoom this year, but also um, reaching out to our towns because I mean, and, and first, before I go on, I just wanna say throughout the pandemic, my aide Rachel and Rep Wins aide Tobin have been amazing and, and have gotten more calls. I represent a needy district to begin with. I 12 towns across three counties. And when the pandemic hit and unemployment and food insecurity and housing insecurity and all of this unknown, 
you know, people were calling us more and, and our staff stepped up and did an amazing job. So I do want to say that, but also on the next level in our towns, we saw our senior centers, you know, they didn't, the directors of our senior centers didn't go home and sit for the last 18 months. They have been on the phone. They've been working with organizations like in my area, Life Path, that deliver meals on wheels. Um, we're coordinating with the schools, making sure that school lunches were brought to bus stops. So there was, you know, food being delivered to kids. Um, my family and I, at the beginning of the pandemic, um, were worried. People were really nervous about going to the grocery store and they were going and they were stocking up. And one thing that doesn't last two or three weeks is fresh fruit. So my family and I actually coordinated with a local wholesaler and bought fruit and we made these little biodegradable bags with a couple apples, couple oranges, some bananas, pears, whatever, and hung them up around town so people could just come and no contact, grab them. And we made sure to put, and believe me, this would have been the best time to put a vote for Susanna sticker in it. And I did not. I put in a note from my office with the uh, information to call um, for COVID information. We put in for senior centers. We put in the number for people who couldn't get to nursing homes to visit families and how they could make a check. And we also very importantly put in a number for a domestic violence hotline. And over the course of two and a half months, my little nieces who are 10 and six and their parents and I put out 10,400 pounds of fruit throughout our district for people just to come and grab a bag. And again, drop in the bucket um, with regards to the need in the area, but getting that information out and just getting a fresh apple or something, you know, when people were stocking up like they were, you know, we felt it was important and it was a, it was a good outreach. Yeah. That's so great, yeah. Representative Wolves. I remember you doing that. It's so impressive of, that you were able to give out that much. And to your point, the collegiality and the collaboration is just so key. It's completely teamwork. Like we would not be able to function without amazing staff, without amazing, um, great collaboration with at the local level, but also on the uh, on other end, making sure that we are working at with the administration too to get that information to the local level and then passing that um, feedback back backs and so we were conduits for a very long time and I uh, want to make sure that people know that we are there to help and to your point I don't think we did a lot of any campaigning at all all of my loose newsletters were to get information out there not to ask for donations because we want yeah. people to know that we are representing them and that we want to um, make sure that their voices are heard and that their needs are being met. Right. It, it was an incredibly um, difficult year last year for campaigning and people who had races, you know, it, how do you campaign when and, and fundraise when people are, are really struggling? So I really, I, I know myself, Rep Win. a lot of people just put the campaign on the back burner and did what they needed to do for the, the people they represent, because at the end of the day, it is all about those people. Yeah. And the constituent services speak for themselves. Um, yeah. I'll throw it to Logan. Yep. Yeah. yeah, definitely. Um, and I can say uh, we on the CODCAP have definitely benefited from the uh, changing campaigns last year. 
we had just a few episodes into our podcast, we had interviews with a bunch of fourth district candidates who probably wouldn't have come on if uh, the, the virtual aspect of campaigning wasn't so important. Uh, I think we had, who do we have? Auchincloss, Siegel. We uh, had everybody. Cavell. We had Cavell, yeah. Auchincloss, Siegel. <laughs> we had like the whole shebang. Uh, we had the Republican Except candidate. Except for Mermel. Except for Mermel. We didn't that have Mermel. I'm so upset that we didn't. I tried my <laughs> hardest to get her on, but no, oh, well. Anyways, it's about you guys tonight. Her loss. <laughs> oh, goodness. All right, Logan, go ahead. Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. So we had just about just about everyone on, um, and that was that was really cool. Um, I was gonna say, um, I know you don't just work together in in the food area. There, I know you also, I believe, serve on the mental health and substance abuse committee. Um, and I've heard recently about the whole Purdue Pharma case, and there's a lot of um, action around that. Um, is there anything you think that uh, is um, affecting Massachusetts here? Well, we know that there's money coming in. And uh, in fact, uh, I had uh, I just come from a national night out event and there are many different organizations in the different towns uh, providing information. And one of the conversations I had was with a recovery home in Tewksbury. And we're gonna have a conversation with them going forward about what can we do to make sure that these money, uh, money, the money is going towards these recovery homes um, where we can put them into direct services to help people in recovery um, from addiction. And so um, the Tewksbury Into Action community group, we're meeting with them and I'm sure there are many other organizations throughout the state who are interested in this money that Massachusetts will be getting from these uh, from the settlement. And so we'll continue to keep an eye on this and want to um, let the, the state know about the needs at the local level and which organizations um, should be getting access to this pool of money that should be coming. Well, and again, the Mental Health Substance Use and Recovery Committee is such an important committee. Um, there's a Purdue Pharma Settlement is definitely going to bring some money to address um, substance use disorder, especially opiate use disorder. And I, I think, you know, when Rep Win talks about the recovery homes, and I just really, really want to say how amazed I am having watched since I've been in the legislature for the last six years, the, um, the recovery community and the people who have stepped up who are five years, 10 years, 20 years, 30 years sober, who are leading the charge to help other people because it's really, it's difficult for somebody who hasn't been affected, who hasn't had those issues like, you know, um, and to, to be able to connect people with somebody who you can look at and see, yeah, recovery works. You can have a great life. And I, I am so impressed with the number of people who are in recovery, who have stepped up and said, I wanna lead, I wanna mentor, I wanna be a recovery coach. And it's, it's really helped tremendously. And um, I, I'm in full support of making sure that those recovery efforts are there because recovery is possible. All right. And it's very encouraging to hear too, just to add to that point that there is a waiting list for many of these recovery homes. So um, I, I'm hopeful that the money will be put into good use so that we can expand and allow uh, more access to folks who do want to get into recovery. 
All right. Well, we're going to go into part two, everyone. So stand by. We're just going to end this a little quickly. We will be right back for part two. And we're back, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you all for your patience. And I want to get back to a question regarding relationships in the state house. So we had a uh, Jake Ockenkloss appear on the cod cabin uh, after he was elected. And we asked him a question, you know, we know about his friends on the democratic side, but I wondered if it was possible if he had any friends or Jesse thought it was possible because this was Jesse's question. Um, if he had friends on the Republican side, uh, and he said, you know, not so much that you could comment. And, you know, we pressed him on that and, you know, we didn't get any question, uh, and response. So as someone who was a Democrat, and someone who's a Republic, or Republic, excuse me, independent. Oh my goodness. Uh, independent. Do you have any Republican friends on the other side of the aisle? Uh, and what is your relationship with them? And, you know, if it's easier to do than in Washington, why do you think that is? I, I'm not going to venture to guess why other people don't necessarily get along or, um, anything like that. But I, I have friends on both sides of the aisle. I, I did when I was Republican. Um, I, I do now as an independent. And um, I'm, I've made some really great friendships along the way. I mean, Representative Wynn is one of them. Um, Marjorie Decker from Cambridge, which coming from a rural district, Marjorie was here for um, lunch the other day. And Marjorie can walk her district. What'd you have for lunch? I, well, this is the food question here, so we got to know. <laughs> I made a turkey tenderloin with caponata. I made some flatbread. We had pickled beets, um, a salad with some fresh herbs and flowers from my garden. Just a, a basic little lunch. You can check it out on uh, Rep Wynn's Facebook page. She posted some pictures, but... Um, you know, Representative Decker and I are a really good example. We're, we're great friends. I go to her for advice. She's a very, very smart woman. Um, she can walk her district. It's maybe 20 city blocks. My district is 340 square miles. Uh, it's, it's huge. And it's not the largest one. I think Smitty and um, Rep. Mark and Rep. Blay have bigger districts than me, so I'm the fourth or fifth probably. But I don't think it's, you don't look at where somebody's sitting in the chamber to decide if you're going to be friendly with them or not. It really is, you know, there are people who I've been there six and a half years who have never uttered a word to me, cast me, never said hello, whatever. And there's other people who are the kindest, most welcoming people I've met. And um, they're the ones I gravitate to. And I, I think that for us, we have to work together, uh, especially in an area like mine, where I I have um, Republican uh, legislators, whether it's in the Senate or the House. For instance, Boxford, I share, actually all four of my towns, Andover, North Andover, Tuxer, and Boxford, I share with another representative. I don't Lenny have any Mira, town right? of my own. Yes, and so Representative Mira, I share Boxford, uh, Boxford with him. And also um, Senator Tarr represents oh. uh, the Boxford area. And in fact, we were just 
just again at the North Andover um, National Night Out and he was getting interviewed and he gave me a shout out because I, I had to run back for this podcast so I couldn't do the interview and he gave a shout out and he said she's here you know, great for her to be here <laughs> and we try to cover for each other as well um, and especially when you represent smaller communities you really have to advocate for earmarks and it takes partnership in order to do that. For instance, for Boxford, all three of us worked together and we got $115,000 in the budget for the community center, which is so crucial to the town of Boxford. And that takes collaboration. And there are many different bills. So when uh, after the uh, the Atlanta shooting happened, which resulted in eight deaths, six of whom were uh, women of Asian descent, I had a rally in Andover um, to show solidarity, but also to raise the uh, concern about hate crimes against Asian Americans um, and Asians living in America. And you know, uh, Senator Tarr, Senator Desaglio, uh, reps from all around this area, Representative Minicucci, and others came out in support because. Because when something happens in our community, we're all in it together to respond together. And that's why it's so important to have this sort of collaboration. Um, and of course, there are times we have to agree to disagree. I don't agree with them on many things, but we find things where we agree and find projects where we can work together. And that's how we uh, build these friendships and relationships uh, with one another to, to get things done. Yeah, nobody likes a jerk. I mean, you, at the end of the day, <laughs> very you, true. You really, I mean, whether you're in the private sector or the public sector, it, life is about relationships. And I mean, you can even look at it as a family. There's always a family member or two that when they walk in the room, everybody rolls their eyes and says, oh, geez, she's here or he's here or whoever. So, I mean, it, it's no different there, but you learn if everybody's rowing in the same direction, it makes life so much easier. And, you know, I'm probably old enough to be Rep Wynn's mom. And um, I, over my lifetime, I have, I have realized that you really need to work with other people. Nobody can do everything on their own. And, you know, I've, I've had some years where I was like very, independent in in the private sector and didn't want to I don't need a consultant I can you know I'm smart enough to do this and at the end of the day one of the things I've learned in the legislature is I don't know any I don't know everything I need I learn every day and I, I really have come to this mindset that if you're the smartest person in a room you're in the wrong room and you need to go somewhere else and um, I, this has been an incredible learning experience. And I, I look to my college, look to my college colleagues to teach me things I don't understand. And I have many colleagues now who reach out to me and they call me about um, rural issues or farming issues or some of some of the other things I'm involved in out here. So it, it really, it doesn't, nobody's going to vote for a jerk at the end of the day. And if you're going to stay in the job, you've got to work with people. You can't be the obstinate, I'm not going to get anything done because people see that. And again, why bother? Why put your time into something when you can't move forward? Very wise words, honestly. Very wise. It's, it comes with age. It took a <laughs> 
All right, turning it back over to Jesse. Um, so rep whips, I've noticed that you've alluded a few times to, um, you know, being in the private sector, playing a part in running a business. And I was wondering how that experience informs like um, what you do um, on Beacon Hill. Like what does a, someone, how does a business experience um, help you become a better legislature, legislator? There, there's pros and cons to that. Um, I, I'm a co-owner of a company that designs equipment for sewage treatment plants, water control facilities, desal places in the Middle East. Um, you know, we, we've got a, a good big company which has had its best six years since I've been in the legislature. So I'm going to take full credit for putting together an amazing management team because I spend about three hours a week there. I, I don't have the time. If I represented one town, it would it would be easy to carry a second job. I have a, a needy big district, so I've really passed it off. Um, any particular matters surrounding water infrastructure, I vote present and I probably vote present more than most of my other colleagues because of that. But having employees, 85, and I've always thought it's not 85 people, it's 85 families that depend on my success and depend on the company's strength. So when people are asking about what kind of small business incentives we can do or how can we support businesses as they grow. Um, having been a selectman for 10 years before I, I came into the legislature, I had a good understanding of local tax structure and some of the TIF programs and other things we offer. Um, I'm, I really you know, want to be a voice of a business owner and I mean, in aside from Whips Incorporated, by the time I was 25, I had opened two restaurants. Um, I was um, I opened one for one person, and then I, I opened my own place. And I've just always been a worker, and I understand minimum wage. I understand how difficult it is, and I understand the balance because people deserve. Uh, people deserve a working fair wage. And, you know, I supported the increase in, in the minimum wage. Um, most people would think, well, why would a business owner do that? Well, I start my people at more than what Massachusetts minimum wage is. So it wasn't um, an issue for me. But I, you know, growing up, I was always, I grew up in a very Republican household. And I always had a fear of organized labor. And I think it was something that um, perhaps my dad had instilled and we had had a few union um, companies close locally. And when I got to the Massachusetts State House, I wasn't anti-labor, but I wasn't pro-labor. And my long commute riding in with um, my friend, Paul Mark, who, is a member of IBEW and MTA. You know, he, he started asking me one day, he's like, what's the deal with you? He said, can your employees knock on your door and come in and talk to you? And I said, of course, everybody's got free reign to come and talk to us. He said, do they get good benefits? Do they have good health insurance? I'm like, we pay our people well, we have bonuses, we have great health insurance. He said, 
then you would never need a union. He said, not everybody runs their company like you do. And that was some, a, a click in my head that, well, maybe not everybody does. Because I grew up assuming with the Pregnant Workers Fairness Act, it blew my mind that an employee would be refused a stool or some assistance lifting something heavy or a bathroom break. I'm like, who the heck in the world, what employer makes their employee ask to go to the bathroom? You just go when you have to go. So my business experience, singularly doing everything right, I just kind of assumed other people worked the same way I did. And I, it was an eye-opening experience to go and sit at some of the hearings that we sit through and listen to the stories of some employees. And at that moment, I was like, wow, I never considered that. And so again, a, a learning experience. And um, I, I think being able to say you don't know everything and you learn as you go, I, I think is really important. And I think all of, all of my friends in the legislature I've either learned something from or they've come to me for something. And again, it adds to that collegialness that a lot of people don't see in other, other places and other legislatures. Mm. Sorry, that was a long answer. No, it's no, fine. They actually, that actually like, it, like enveloped the whole chapter of Massachusetts politics right there. Like that's a, that's a book and a half. Um, <laughs> Now, Logan, of course, with one more question before we wrap things up here tonight. Logan, take it away. Yeah, so for the last question, um, I know we've been talking a lot about uh, relationships crossing party lines in the state house, but I'm wondering, you know, when you're talking to voters who might be of a different party uh, and, and vote for, you know, different candidates at a national level, perhaps, uh, do voters really care about party or are they more interested in, you know, you as a person, as a, as a representative? As someone who had the latest, <laughs> the, the, the most recent election, uh, I can say that, especially during this past year, I think all of us have made it very clear that we are here to help everyone, no matter what party. I've had people reach out to me to say, I've never voted for you. I will never vote for you. But they needed help and I was ready to help. And that that's the policy for our office. And I'm sure I don't want to speak for my colleagues, but I feel like that is the policy for all of my colleagues. We want to be there to make sure that we are um, working and helping the people. Um, but given that we are very close to the ground and we many of us are able to work, uh, you'll walk our districts unlike Representative Whips and some of the others, I was able to walk my district twice before get up the vote weekend for my very first election and that was how I was able to run. We get to know people and they get to know us and as someone who represents a purple district, um, I need to win those people in the middle and there are some folks who uh, may be registered Republicans, but they agree with me on a lot of the issues. And I've been able to either get their support or get them to stay out. And so, and I think it is very important for people to, um, 
see us for all that we are because we are, you know, being in Democratic Party is not a monolith. But like any of these labels, it's not a monolith. We're all very different people. We all have very different priorities and we all have very different ways of working with, you know, whether it is um, constituent services or getting bills through because there is really no playbook. That was biggest eye-opening thing coming into the legislature is to realize how different the 351 towns and cities are and how different the different districts are and you need to figure out a way for it to work for your particular districts whether it is is it constituent services heavy is it policy heavy what do people need and how do you fit into that puzzle to um, truly represent them and so as someone who um get to, we have the opportunity to get to see the people and get to know them. Uh, we hope that they will get to know us and see that, you know, even if I don't agree with you 100%, I can see that you work hard. And in fact, uh, I remember when I first got elected, I, I, I want to bring up Boxford because Boxford, I did not think I was going to win Boxford because I thought I was so Republican, but I did win Boxford. And one of the first meetings I went to, I was cornered by this guy who's part of the Republican Party. And I was like, uh-oh, what now? And he came up to me and he's like, I don't agree with any of your positions, but I see that you work hard. So I support you. <laughs> and, and that's just so, wow. it summarizes exactly what our roles are. And he was very frank about it. Now he sees me all the time. And he was very happy when I was able to, you know, help get the funding for the senior center because he's working so hard on that. But the, the, that's a reality of being a rep because you get to know the people, you get to help them when they're in need and um, you get to see them in community events. And I know that there are many people I see all the time we smile we take pictures together but they don't agree with me on a single thing and that's okay you know it's funny I, I was thinking trauma you were talking you and I both beat incumbents from other parties when we got elected and the year I did I believe there was only one one other person who beat an incumbent and it's it's just funny because it is it's hard sometimes in the district and i had people who said well i'll never support a republican and then when i left the party i had a lot of people come and call me a traitor and you know they were never going to support me and frankly i think they didn't support me because i was a pro-choice um lgbt ad ally um republicans so I, I they probably weren't voting for me to begin with but it's just it, you and i we've got a lot more in common after this conversation than i think we realized well you know what that's the magic of the cod cabin like little cods running upstream of the child's they come together and we're all just one big school. I want to thank both of you for coming onto the Cod Cabin. Thank you. I hope you got a lovely breakfast, lunch, or dinner, or dessert out of this uh, conversation. Join us next time as we try to get uh, a state auditor, the candidate running for state auditor, Chris Dempsey, on our, our podcast. Not Codcats, that's something else. Anyways, I want to thank you all for listening. I'm Adam Bass. Join me as always is Logan Rabe and Jesse Hahn. Thank you and good night.